Well, today we are beginning a brand new series called The Soundtrack of Christmas, and the band just introduced you to a new Christmas song called With Us Now, and that song is actually based off of the oldest Christmas song that we still sing to this day, which is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. The story of how we got the song O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is actually quite fascinating. It actually started back in the ninth century when Catholic monks would gather together for the seven days leading up to Christmas to chant what was called the O Antiphons. Now, eventually they became known as the Great O's. Not my Orioles, not Alexander Ovechkin, the Great Eight, the Great O, but no, this is the, the Great O's. And again, they would do this for the seven days leading up to Christmas. Now you're going, what in the world is an antiphon? Well, an antiphon is a short little phrase that's either chanted or sung or it's spoken back as a part of worship service or worship experience like what we have. If you've ever been to a Catholic mass before, you've probably experienced this. The priest says something and then the congregation sort of says something back or maybe they'll sing something back. In more like in the uh, Protestant tradition, some of the liturgical churches, like the Methodist Church, the Lutheran Church, the Episcopals, the Presbyterians, you may have seen some of this like a call and response that the pastor will say something, then the people will say something back. That's an antiphon. And so, again, these Catholic monks, they would gather together for the seven days before Christmas to do these great O's, the O antiphons. Now, what were the O antiphons? What were these short little phrases that they were saying? Well, it's in Latin. So hopefully if you took some Latin in high school, you'll uh, remember how to do these, but they're going to put it on the screen here for you. The first day they would say this, O Septentia, which means wisdom. Next, O Adonai, which is actually a Hebrew word for God. O Radix Jesse was on day three. That means the root of Jesse. O Clavis David, key of David. O Orions, which means day spring. O Rex Gentium, which is king of the Gentiles. O Emmanuel was on the last day, Christmas Eve, which means God with us. And basically what this was, was a reminder that in the wisdom of God, through the lineage of Jesse and David, a new dawn had come, a new king was going to be born, a king that was for all people, not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles as well. And he was going to be Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Now, it's pretty cool, right, that they would do this for those seven days leading up. But here's the thing. This is actually a liturgical riddle that they put together. You're going, what in the world do you mean by that? Well, this is actually an acrostic. Now, it's not easy for you to see right now, but I'm going to have them bold it there on the screen for you. And you see, if you read it from the bottom to the top, it's E-R-O-C-R-A-S, arrow cross. And what arrow cross means is this, I will be present tomorrow. So that's pretty cool. Every single day, they would do a new O antiphon. And on the seventh day, Christmas Eve, it revealed, O Emmanuel, God with us, which means I will be present with you tomorrow. That's really neat. Now, it wasn't until the 1850s then that a pastor took these O antiphons, and translated it into English. It was actually a British pastor living in Africa at the time. He translates it into English, and then he sets it to music from a 15th century hymn that had gotten written in Portugal. All right, so this is a crazy history that this song has. 
But O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, it's been sung many different places, many different people, many different types of renditions, including right here at Exponential. In fact, in 2011, our big Christmas Eve song for that night was O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. This was when we were still meeting over in the uh, movie theater, and it was like the, the feature music piece that we did. And I'm going to have you watch it here in just a second so that you see not only the creativity of our team, but so you get to hear the rich lyrics of this song, which actually has concepts from both the Old Testament and the New Testament in it. So take a look at this. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel, that mourns in lonely exile until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to Thank you. 
Let's rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Well, that takes me back to when Bill had a lot of hair, right? <laughs> and I did too. <laughs> but I wasn't in the video. <laughs> no, it's, it's such a, a rich song, uh, the, the depth of the lyrics to it. I would actually encourage you to, to read it on your own this week. But today what I want to do is I want to concentrate on just one word out of the song. And of course, that word would be Emmanuel. And if you're taking notes, Emmanuel simply means this, God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. And you know, that's really reassuring, isn't it? That God is with us. And we use that phrase all the time. You know, we even pray it. We go, God, be with me when I'm flying on this flight. God, be with me as I go to this job interview. God, be with me as I'm taking this test at school. God, be with me as I'm on this blind date. Help him not to be some sort of psycho and kill me or something. God, help me not to, like, kill my kids during the holidays here. God, be with me. But where did we ever even get that thought that God could be with us? Well, it actually comes from the very first Christmas. In Matthew chapter 1, an angel comes to Joseph and instructs Joseph that, look, that Mary is pregnant and she hasn't been running around on you. She hasn't been sleeping around. She's actually pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, then the angel says this, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. This was the news that the Jewish people have been waiting centuries to hear, that the Messiah, the Savior, the Redeemer, the Deliverer was coming to them to save them from their sins. Matthew clarifies then the significance of this in the next couple of verses. Look at verse 22. He says, now all this happened in order to make come true what the Lord had said through the prophet. Now what Matthew is about to do is he's going to quote Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, a prophecy that Isaiah had given 740 years before the birth of Jesus. And so here's Matthew. He's quoting again Isaiah's prophecy, verse 23. A virgin will have a baby boy, and he will be called what? He will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, here's why this was significant. In the Old Testament, as you read through it, you notice that God is so pure, God is so holy, God is so full of light that if people even get into the presence of God, if they even try to look upon the face of God, they instantly drop dead. And so for the Jews, that's, that's who they knew God to be, sort of unapproachable, that you can't even look at his face 
and not die because he is so holy and pure. And that's why we read, you know, like with Moses and Elijah, that when the presence of God would pass by, they would hide themselves. They would shield themselves from seeing his full glory. That's how magnificent God is. And the Jews knew that the, the presence of God resided in the Holy of Holies there in the temple. You remember God had instructed them to, to build this temple. And so there's this, this temple. And before that, even it was a tent, it was a tabernacle. And within that area then, there was a place called the holy place. And only the priests were allowed to go into the holy place. But then within the holy place, there was another place called the holy of holies. That's where the literal presence of God resided. And only one person, the high priest, was allowed to go in there. And that was even only once per year. And the high priest would go in to offer up sacrifices for the sins of all the nation and all the people for the entire year. But God's presence, his, his radiance is so great that the people are like, what if the high priest hasn't been forgiven himself? What if the high priest gets in there and, and drops dead himself? And so what they would do is they would tie a, a rope around the high priest's ankle and they would put a bell on his ankle as well. And so when the high priest would enter into the Holy of Holies to offer up the sacrifice, he would keep his leg moving so that they would hear the bell going all the time. If they didn't hear the bell, they assumed he's dead. And then they would take the rope and they would pull him out. And so that's, that's who the Jews knew God to be. But now all of a sudden, Matthew is saying, wait a second, that God who we thought was unapproachable, that we couldn't have a relationship with him. It was so unattainable. That God is now with us. He is Emmanuel. And folks, that's the good news of Christmas here. That, that God has become one of us. That he is here with us. God is still holy. He is still pure. He is still light. But in Jesus, that got veiled a little bit so that we could have a relationship with him. And Matthew says, there's nothing to fear here. He is God with us. I mean, no wonder, no wonder the angel, or not the angels, the, uh, the shepherds, when the angels came to him, no wonder they started to rejoice. God is with us. No wonder that the wise men, they came from thousands of miles away, a two-year journey, because God was now with us. They're like, we have got to worship that God is now here with us. This God that the people thought was distant and uninvolved and unapproachable that could never be seen, much less have a relationship, was now here with us. John, he actually records it this way. John chapter 1, verses 1 and then verse 14. In the beginning was the Word. And if you remember, I've shared this with you before. Anytime you see capital W-R-D, it's referring to Jesus. So, in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then down in verse 14, and the Word, Jesus, became flesh and lives amongst us. Again, that's the good news of Christmas, that God has been with us, He is with us, and He's going to be with us. Do you understand that? He's been with you in the past, He's with you now, and He's going to be with you in the future. The problem with that, though, is many of you go, wait a second, Gilbert, if God is really with us, 
why don't I feel his presence then? If, if God is really, why, why am I going through this health crisis? Why is my marriage the way it is? Why is my finances the way they are? Why is my career the way that it is? Why did my loved one pass away? I mean, if God was really with us, where is he? Where is he at? Why do I experience all this pain in life? And you know, that's a great question. And I hope to answer that by the end of this message and give you confidence that God has been with you, he is with you, and he'll continue to be with you. So let's actually sort of break each one of those down. Number one, if you're taking notes there on your outline, is this. God is with me. God is with me. Now, before the angel came to Joseph, the angel had first come to Mary. Here's what we read in Luke chapter 1, verse 28. The angel came to Mary and said, Greetings, that's a very kind angel. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is what? The Lord is with you. God is going to ask Mary to do something very, very difficult. And that is to raise God. Those of you that are parents, you thought you had a lot of pressure raising your kids. Imagine being Mary. She has to raise God. But the angel says, don't worry about it because what? The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. And I want to say the same thing to you. No matter what tough assignment you may have been given, no matter how difficult this season of life is for you right now, whatever it is that you're going through, God promises that I am with you right here and right now. And he says, I'll never leave you and I'm never going to forsake you either. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 to 4. The Father is a merciful God who always gives us what? He always gives us comfort. He comforts us when we are in trouble so that we can share this same comfort with others in trouble. Now, this is actually pretty interesting. The same word that gets translated as comfort comes from the same root word in Greek, then we get the word church. It's pretty interesting, huh? The actual Greek word is klesis, and the word klesis means call. And you're going to hear a lot about this word klesis in 2022 because we're actually developing right now a course for you guys here at Exponential called klesis that's going to help you to discover your call. Who is it that God has called you to be? And what is it that God has called you to do in the world? So that'll be coming out here in 2022. So remember, klesis means call. The only difference between comfort then and church is the little prefix that's in front of it. For church, it's two letters, E-K, ek. And ek means to be called out of. So out of, ek, out of. And so the ecclesia is the called out ones. The ecclesia, the church. The called out ones. It's not about coming to a building. It's not about being just a part of a group. We are called out of the building, out of our groups to make a difference in the world. We are the called out ones. That word comfort then, the little prefix is para, P-A-R-A. And that one means to come alongside of. So you're called to come alongside somebody else. 
what's really, really interesting then is that that paraclesis is very, very close to parakletos, which is where we get the word Holy Spirit. And so really, those three are somewhat interchangeable. The church, the spirit, comfort. It's all basically the same. So actually, let's go back and look at what Paul says again here in 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4. He says, The Father is a merciful God who always gives us comfort, who always gives us His Spirit, who always gives us the, the church. He comforts us. He gives us His comfort. He gives us His church. He gives us His Spirit when we're in trouble so that we can share this same comfort, this same Spirit, this same church with others that are in trouble. And so listen, if you came in here today and you're hurting during this Christmas season, remember, God is with you. His Spirit is with you. His church is with you. Comfort is with you. Again, this is a good reminder to us that call ourselves followers of Jesus. That we're not called to just come to a building. This is not the church. We are the church. We're the called out ones. We're the ones that are be going out and providing this comfort to other people, to come alongside of them and be the hands and feet of Jesus to a lost and hurting world. Now, for those of you that are hurting in some way, let me just be honest. God's people, the church, we sometimes mess this up. We don't always provide the comfort that you need. But don't allow our mistake to keep you from the God who will never leave you, who will never forsake you, who is the God of all comfort. You see, even when we let you down, God never will. Because when you're lost, He'll be your guide. When you're alone, He'll be your friend. When you're going through a trial, He'll be your comforter. When you're sick, He's going to be your healer. When you're weak, He'll be your strength. When you're lost in your sins, he's going to save you. So never, ever forget that God is with me right now. So that's number one. Number two, God has been with me. God has been with me. Now, I'm not going to take a lot of time to talk about this one because we actually just covered this. Uh, back, it was the last weekend of October in the last week of our series called uh, My Big Fat Mouth. You remember that one? You guys still applying that, right? Be quick to... Yeah, I'm, I'm testing you here. Be quick to listen, slow to, and slow to become angry. Very good. Very good. Give yourselves a big round of a, I don't know about you guys online, if you got it or not, but they, they, they did pretty good here in the room, so good, good job. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And so we actually talked in the, the last week of the series about Joseph. You remember him? And, and Joseph, he got sold into slavery by his brothers. He got accused of rape falsely accused of rape. I mean, he didn't do it. He gets thrown into prison. Some guy promises, yeah, I'm going to help get you out. And then the guy forgets all about him. It'd be very easy in the midst of that to go, well, where's God in all that? But there was a phrase that kept popping up over and over and over again there in the scripture. I'll give you just a reminder of one of them. In Genesis chapter 39, verse 21, we read this. But the Lord was, but the Lord was with Joseph. And listen, whether you have a relationship with Jesus today or not, there has never, ever been a moment of your life that God hasn't been trying to 
draw you close to Him. To bring you to Him. Now, we don't always do a good job of recognizing His presence. We don't always do a good job of recognizing His voice and listening to His voice. But He has always been there throughout your entire life with His arms open wide, ready to embrace you as His child. So God is with you now. God has always been with you. And then number three, God will be with me. You know, even after the angel announced to Mary that she was pregnant and that God would be with her, there's still probably a little bit of Mary that was anxious about that, some nerves. What's the future going to hold here? But I want you to imagine for a second that Mary in that moment could see into the future. And she would go, you know what? God is going to be with me when I have to tell Joseph. God is going to be with me when I'm nine months pregnant and we've got to travel back to Bethlehem a hundred miles or so on the back of a donkey. God will be with me. God will be with me when we get to Bethlehem and there's no room in the end. God will be with me when I get into that stable and have to give birth amongst farm animals. God's going to be with me when Jesus is just a, a little baby boy and we have to flee to a different country because King Herod wants to kill him. God will be with me when Jesus is 12 years old and I lose him. He's lost. Where's Jesus? God will be with me in that moment as I find him there in the temple and he's amazing the crowds with his teaching. God will be with me when I'm at a friend's wedding banquet and they run out of wine and I have to convince Jesus to do his first public miracle. God's going to be with me as I watch my little baby boy get arrested and persecuted and tried. God will be with me as I see him suffering there on the cross. God will be with me as I hear him say, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit and I watch him breathe his last breath. God will be with me as the skies grow dark and the ground begins to shake. God will be with me on that first night as I'm left waiting and wondering, what is this all about? God will be with me on that second night as I'm left still waiting and wondering, and God will be with me that third day as the report comes back that the, the stone has been rolled away and Jesus is no longer there. And it's in that moment that I will realize, and everybody else will realize, that yes, He is truly Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is the one that came to save us from our sins. We need to have that same sort of confidence. I'm not sure that Mary had it. Maybe she did, maybe she didn't. But we have to have that confidence that no matter what comes at me in the future, God is going to be with me. He's always going to be with me. The love of God is just so great. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Paul asks this question. He says, can anything separate us from the love of Christ? Let me ask you that question. 
Can anything separate us from the love of Christ? Yes or no? No. And it continues on then in verses 37 to 39. He says, no, 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 no. Oh, actually, I, 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 I'm sorry, go back. Yeah, you guys are still there? Good. I actually skipped something, didn't I? So he says, can, can anything separate us from the love of Christ? He says, can trouble? What do you think? Can trouble separate us from the love of Christ? Yes or no? No. Can suffering? Let me hear you. No. Hard times? Hunger? Nakedness? Not sure why nakedness would separate us from the love of God, but it's there. Can nakedness separate us from the love of God? No. How about danger? Death? No. And then he continues on, verses 37 to 39. He says, no, despite all of these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That is such great news. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. He will always be with you. He always has been with you. And he always is with you. Because he is Emmanuel. He is God with us. That is settled. There's absolutely no debate. The only question that remains is this. Are you with him? He's with you. Are you with him? Again, he is constantly there for you. He's constantly trying to woo you to himself. But you have a choice. Do you want to have a relationship with Jesus or not? He's not going to force himself on you. It's your choice. The way we begin a relationship with Jesus is by simply asking for it. We just simply say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Be the leader of my life. Cleanse me from all my old unrighteousness, all the, the things in my past. Wipe that all away. Give me a fresh start, a clean slate. Jesus, do that for me. And from now on, I'm going to give my life back to you. And I'm going to turn from my sin in repentance. And I'm going to walk the way that you would have me to walk according to your word. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He wants a relationship with you. Do you want a relationship with him? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day and for this whole season where we're reminded that you are Emmanuel, God with us. That you're not unapproachable, you're not unattainable, that you do want this relationship. And so you made that possible by dying on the cross for our sins so that we may be forgiven of our sins and have not just eternal life forever, but the abundant life right here and right now that you would desire for us. Lord, sometimes it doesn't seem like it's the abundant life. Sometimes when we go through these trials and temptations and struggles, you do seem distant. But God, help us to remember you are with us. You've been with us and you'll continue to be with us forever and ever and ever. Lord, now help us to do our part to reach out and accept the gift that you've so graciously offered to us, the gift of salvation, the gift of a relationship with you. 
And so, Lord, if there's anybody here today, either live in the room or watching online that doesn't yet have a relationship with you, I just pray that right now, right where they're sitting or wherever they're watching from, wherever they're listening from, that, Lord, they would just pray a simple prayer. Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Be the leader of my life. Give me direction for where it is and what it is that you'd have me to do for the rest of my life. Jesus, thank you that you've done that for so many people that are here in the room, so many people that are watching online. And Lord, we rejoice along with the angels in heaven over even just one sinner that repents. And so Lord, right now, we just thank you, thank you, thank you that lives are being changed right here and right now. Thank you for changing our lives. And now help us to be the comfort. Help us to be the church. Help us to bring your spirit to Harrisburg, to Hagerstown, to Haiti, and beyond. Thank you, Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.